We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To work off in our results DB database. So the key here and the, the key to the whole structure is building off of the results and insights that we get from similar slates. So we have thousands of previous slates in our database. What we do is we look at the main slate coming up uh, for that day and for the next day, and we match that slate against all of the previous slates, we find the 25 most similar slates in terms of how many values there are at different positions, in terms of where the chalk is for pitchers and for hitters, and in terms of some of the big macro things like how many games are on the slates and how many different players there are available at different positions. So there's a lot of texture for how we're looking at it. And then once we match those previous slates to the current slate, we take the top 25 and we crunch a bunch of numbers there to give you insights into what may be successful in upcoming slates. So the first thing I want to talk about here is the main table, what we call slate texture on here. And as you'll see, the slate texture has a bunch of different items. It gives you what we call similar and average. Now similar in this context is based only on the 25 most similar slates that we've calculated here. The average is looking at all slates of a similar type game count. So a similar number of players, similar number of games that are in total in the slate. And we crunch all the different numbers. You can get an idea of how this particular slate probably fares versus what would be on average. Now we give you the cash line for, for 50-50s and double ups. Uh, we give you the GPP line, and we're calling this the top 0.1% of entries, what they averaged on here for the two. We look at the win. So the number one ranked entry for GPPs, what the average was there. Obviously, it's a lot higher than what you're seeing in the others and then what you see in, in, in the average. And then below that, we have a bunch of numbers. Now, we have stack ownership and chalk hit rate. I'll, I'll take stack and ownership together. These are proprietary formulas that we came up with, which weight higher numbers for either a great deal of stacking and bigger stacks get a higher weight here, and then ownership, how high the ownership is 
of particular players. So we're talking about whether or not the chalkiest pitcher and hitter options are much higher than what you would see in a normal slate. And 50 is the average, so you see it comes it comes in here, and you see this this stack in particular that we're this. And you'll see this slate in particular that we're looking at, stacking is a little bit less used than it was on average, whereas ownership, people are really uh, using higher owned players in these similar slates. As we go down, chalk hit rate. Now, this is looking at the top two pitchers and the top five hitters by ownership and all these different slates and how often they're hitting or not, meaning that they're represented in a higher percentage of winning lineups versus what they are for the field. And then as we dig further into, you know, game count, just letting you know the averages are about the same here. Number of players, as you'd expect, is a little bit more here uh, for the similar versus the the average. And then as you go down, we have the average salaries for the pitchers for the the most expensive pitcher in the second, and then average ownership for the most expensive in the second here for those different things. So that's kind of the main slate texture table that really enables us to look at everything from a high macro level. And now the, the powerful stuff that we're going to dig into here, and I think this will be one of the more powerful things, is team stacking. So we have every single team on the slate here. And when we're thinking about this in terms of team stacking, we're looking at four and five hitter stacks. So what we've done is for each one of these teams, I'm looking at the total level of ownership of all the different batters, all the different nine batters that are in the starting lineup. But I'm also looking at the gradation between uh, the highest, who are the chalkiest players on this, who are the lowest, and I'm also looking at the fantasy point distributions there, and I'm taking these particular teams for tonight's slate, I'm matching them against the closest analogous teams from the 25 most similar slates, and that's how I'm crunching some of these numbers. So like I said, the total ownership comes from what's actually happening on tonight's slate. The winner amount, now this is the top 0.1%, how often they had those similar teams in their winning lineups. The field is the same thing, how often the field had those similar teams in winning lineups. And then I have uh, the difference between the two, which is a simple subtraction, and then the leverage, which is the winner divided by the field, and then you're seeing the percentage over over the field. So you're seeing here for, for Boston, for instance, it's going to be the most highly owned in total, all these different batters. I'm estimating that the field is going to have this about 10.3% ownership of four or five hitter stacks. Uh, the winners by the similar slates is about 12.5%, so you're getting a little bit of a difference there, and you're getting leverage there. And like I said, we're calculating this for every single team on the slate. So I think this is going to be pretty powerful in driving insights from these 25 most similar slates. Uh, The next one we have is stack type leverage. So this is looking at some very popular stack types here, and these are not going to change. These are going to be the same every single slate. Um, But we're basing this, again, on the 25 most similar slates. We're looking at uh, winners, the top 0.1%, the field, the difference in the leverage for each of these. You'll find most often, and there's maybe something that's changing we'll have to look at over time, you'll find most often that in the past, these heavy stacks gave positive leverage and maybe were underused in the past. Now, how people are playing these contests going forward, MLB contests, that may have changed. So like I said, we're going to continue to monitor that closely to see what's happening in 2019. Now, the way you read this, if it's 5-3, that means five hitters from one team. Uh, three from another, five to one is five from one, two from another, and then one left there, and so on. So you can see how how it builds out between your eight hitter options and all these different large stacks, four and four, four, three, and one, and so on. Next, we have pitcher leverage. Now, this is another powerful one because we're tying every single pitcher on the slate to their most similar counterparts from the 25 most similar slates, and we're getting you know our ownership number, 
that Chris Gimino and the team works on there uh, diligently, and we, we try to be the, the best there, and that's a very key component of matching. And then we look at similar slates from similar pitchers from these slates, and we say, how often were they in winning lineups? And then the leverage that you're seeing in all of these different ones. So again, as we're scrolling down here, you can see we have every single pitcher on the slate, and we think that's a pretty important and, and valuable tool there. Uh, the leverage is calculated by looking at the, the winner ownership based on similar slates versus what we're projecting that they're going to do, uh, what we're projecting the ownership is going to be, and that's how we get these leverage calculations. So it's a little bit negative when the winner ownership on these similar slates is below what we're projecting. Uh, we go down to hitters. We're doing a little bit less with hitters because there's so many different options. So what we're really going to look at is the 10 highest projected ownership hitters here, and you see all these here. And then, again, we're doing the same calculation. We're figuring out, based upon the 25 most similar slates and the most similar players within those slates, how often we expect them to be in winning top 0.1% lineups and then figuring out the leverage based upon what we're projecting for ownership. Further down here, we have some charts for your for your viewing pleasures. So you can kind of get an idea of looking at this from more of an optic standpoint than the numbers and the tables. So here's a salary spent by position looking at starting pitchers and as you scroll down here you can see this is the you know the sp1 sp2 and if you look below it has three different categories these are the winners of similar slates based upon today this is the field based upon similar slates that we're seeing today and the field average so this is just looking at the average that you would find on this particular game count but not looking specifically at the most similar slate so again uh, how often winners have these uh, um, the, the, what they're spending on average for these players on similar slates, how often what would the field was spending on similar players for these slates, and what on average for the number of game counts you're looking at, what what uh, the field had been spending. So this is for pitchers. We have the same thing for hitters here. Uh, we break out the uh, outfielders by the three different positions, by salary ranking, uh, and you go through here. Again, you have the winners, the field, and the average for all, for all of these different positions. And the last set of charts here is another way of visualizing uh, salary tiers. So this is salary tiers for starting pitchers. And you can see each one of these tiers. So how often is someone uh, a starting pitcher above 11,000, between 9 and 10, 8 and 9, and so on, all the way down. You can see all these different tiers here. So it gives you an idea of how the texture. And this is just purely based upon winners that we've seen from similar slates. And we go down here and we have the same exact thing, the same breakout for hitters. Uh, again, we have these categories that are a little bit different, obviously, because the, the hitters don't cost as much. Greater than 6000 between five and six. I'm sorry, between 5600 and 6000 These are $500 breakouts where they were 1000 above because of the pricing of the different positions. So we're hoping this is going to be a great tool for you to use. You can gain a lot of insights here. We're hoping for also a lot of feedback on what else you may want here. But the most powerful thing that we've done here, and I think you'll see, is we're tying these insights from the millions of entries and thousands of contests and our results to actual teams, actual pitchers, actual hitters to try to get an idea of where you may find leverage.
going on, Rotor Grinders? Dean here. It's Dean 7904. If you want to get all technical, I mean, it's 502 on the East Coast, 202 on the West Coast, 402 Tennessee time, which, of course, which is time for the flagship show here at Rotor Grinders. It's called Grinders Live. It's sponsored by Fantasy Draft. And joining me today, it's, uh, it's Big T. You may know him from such things as the podcast. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> I always forget the name of your podcast. I literally just forgot it. Like, it's... It, uh, the print print factory. There you go. The people know. Every time you pretend you don't know. <laughs> I'm not pretending. I'm just. I get to uh, early stage something, but uh, I get I get a little loopy. Forget you. Okay, you might remember remember Big T from such things as uh, uh, screenshot life from the Twitter machine. Big T, you 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 pull off the unprecedented in the same night. Two different sports. You binked them both. Uh, the basketballs and the baseball. So you're rolling over there in a in, in the dough. So congratulations on that. It's been a good week. Basketball playoffs have just been, I don't know if you've been playing, but like basketball playoffs have been just so good. Like every night, not shippers like that, but every night's been just really good. I, I, have you been playing? So I wasn't playing. And then I talked to a, a mutual friend of ours who was doing really well. And I'm like, maybe I just start playing. It's like, yeah, uh, I'm not even making the best lineups necessarily. And I'm still winning. And I started dabbling and I think it's really, really soft out there. And It's like really, really soft. Like, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, people just aren't following. I don't know what they're following. Maybe there's not enough content out there, DFS-wise. I'm not really sure why. Uh, and also, there's probably some new fans that are just kind of like, I guess I'll play yeah. some DFS basketball. I think that's what it is, seriously. I think I mean, there's a lot of, lot of sharp people still, but there's a lot of like newer people that lo- love the one- and two-game slates, too. Yeah, and I don't like those. And that was, my question is always like, well, what's the edge here? Like, doesn't everybody know to play this guy, this guy, and this guy? And then... Then it's just like a coin toss between the you know the, the sixth guy and the seventh guy essentially. But that wasn't. I mean, like I, I did well for the most part. Uh, I'm definitely profitable. It's. Uh, I don't think I'm playing tonight, T, because um, tonight, like as the best tournaments they've had all postseason too. Like there's a some really nice ones on DK. Like really nice ones. The thing is though, time is a commodity, and they start what like seven o'clock. Uh, on the East Coast and NBA, baseball. No, that's the best part about NBA, though. It doesn't take time because the minutes are locked in. Like, you already – you know all, everything you need to know. Yeah, that, that, that actually does make some sense there. And I see our mutual friend uh, in chat uh, – in chat in, – in chat as well, by the way, uh, talking. It's Van Gogh, spoiler alert. He was doing really well in basketball, too, when he's talking about the, uh, the ATM, ATM machine. That's, uh, that's been preseason basketball for sure. Preseason, postseason basketball. Your son even tonight? Oh, I can't. I, I called them all out on Twitter. I said, just send them all to the DMs tonight. <laughs> What's the line? I don't know it. It's, I, I would guess I mean, there like three, four. I don't the, know. The big free line tonight was just the, my, like minus 120 or minus 110. So it's basically a pick them. Yeah, I, I presume that, you know, that, that feels like a series. It's probably going to go seven. Uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe go six and Milwaukee takes them down. But I got a little bit of money on Milwaukee as far as a series. I, I'm fairly certain you're on, a, you're on the Boston side of the series as well. I think Boston's going to win the next three games. Oh, come on. Stop it. <laughs> Boston in six. No, stop it. Why do you hate Milwaukee so much, man? Well, you hate Giannis specifically because eh, we don't have time. I mean, he's not going to get 22 free throws tonight. I'll promise you that. Well, I mean, look, if you're going to keep fouling the guy, what do you want? What do you, what do you want the refs to stop him? If you can't breathe on the dude, then maybe he will shoot 22. I mean, like. I, it's like a football game in there when he gets touched. Like, every single time he's just running in there full steam and just wanting a foul call. Um, well, I mean, wanting a foul call. 
<laughs> I mean, if he doesn't get, if he ever gets any contact, like it's the end of the world. It's like James Harden at seven foot. <laughs> Harden gets more calls than, uh, than Giannis. I think we can, we can agree on that. Yes. I mean, besides that last game, I would agree. Yes. Yeah. Um, Boston's awesome. going to get a great whistle. Tonight. I can't wait to hear Milwaukee whine about the whistle tonight. Like, oh, how'd Kyrie get that touch call? And the, the, all that stuff's coming tonight. Is it time to modify the Kyrie rankings, by the way? Is he back out of the top 20? Because, uh, you know, is he playing in this series? Is he available? Um, how's he been doing? Because I haven't seen him do much. You'll see him tonight, big boy. He shows up once every four games. Oh, once every – here we go. I mean, he's, he's like, probably getting carried by everyone. Like, he, could, he never could win without LeBron. <laughs> exactly. They, they, they got to call him Leap Year. It's his new nickname. Oh, yeah. um, I can't wait. I'm going to start talking trash to you about it now, too. <laughs> I just love I'm going to add you to my list here. <laughs> You're like Arya Stark over there with your list. I, I, I just I – just Exactly. Love. Right before bed, I'm saying my list every night. See what's going on it. I just love agitating and getting all the Kyrie lovers so, so riled up because, you know, whatever. He's, he's good. But, yeah, they, they think he's better than he actually is. And he's you, back you, out of your top 20 again? Now that no, I mean, it, it's always around. fluid, but he probably still is. Is, it, is Westbrook still ahead of him? Uh, oh, we got a little pause finally now. It's, a, you, conver it's a conversation. You used to laugh at me when I'd bring that up. I don't know if I'd laugh at you. Oh, you laughed at me for that conversation for sure. <laughs> the funny thing is, is Kyrie does like one thing really well. Giannis, you love him. Giannis does everything well but one thing, and you hate it's him. The, that's literally the one thing I value most, though. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let, let's talk some baseball. This is an awesome slate. It's like an opening day slate almost to some extent with all the studs that are being rolled out there. Uh, obviously, it's a nine-gamer. Uh, you know, that, that, that's kind of the key to the slate, right? See, it's, and I know me and you, we, we kind of approach these things like you have in the past. Uh, I know you like to build lineups. We go with like double barrel, elite stud arms. We got Cole, we got DeGrom, we got Scherzer, we got Snell. We got like second year guys, that, secondary, secondary guys that used to be kind of studs, or at least, you know, have shown flashes. Uh, Bueller, Paddock, of course, is showing flashes too. Uh, it's just a matter of how long they're going to let him pitch. Cole Hamels, you know, not, not the greatest K rate, but he's facing the, you know, the Marlins team. It's absolutely dreadful. And the weather is perfect for pitching as well. Bauer is pitching also, just not on the slate. Pablo Sandoval pitched earlier today. You happen to catch what he did, the Panda? I did not catch that, but it couldn't have been good. No, it was amazing. So uh, I didn't watch the game. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't play the early slate. Did he strike but, someone out? So I don't know if he struck anybody out, but I'll say in the same game, Pablo Sandoval, now he's, he has all the – he's on Team Gert. He's like the captain of Team Gert, right? Pablo Sandoval, uh, big Panda, uh, he hit a home run. He stole a base. How did and, he steal a base? And he had a clean inning. And, and, and he pitched a clean inning. In did the they lose, too? Well, yeah, they got walloped. He wouldn't be pitching if the game was, like, 3-2. <laughs> I mean, they could have been up big, too, or something. That's one of those unwritten rules in baseball, which I think is kind of dumb. Like, if my team's up, like, 19-3, to why can't I put, like, my – you know, I want to save my bullpen, too. Why can't I put, like, my left fielder in the pitch? And he gives up a couple of runs. Who cares? But for whatever reason, it's only the team getting their face punched in that's allowed to do that. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, some of the baseball unwritten rules are t just terrible. The bat flips just oh, everything. Yeah. Well, the only one I kind of agree with is the throwing at people. I don't mind that as much as other. people get so sad about throwing. I'm sure you're on that end too. I can see you being mad at someone. Well, it's a weapon. It's literally a weapon. You're throwing a weapon at, a, especially throwing at the guy's head, like Urania throwing. Oh, has at anyone him. ever got hurt from a Dean? Yeah, the dude for the Red Sox, like 70 years ago, like lost his entire career because 70 of it. years ago. Yeah, he was a he was a lefty. 
I can't remember the guy's you name. Hate it because somebody got hurt 70 years ago? Well, I'm sure there's somebody else. Like, I'm just not thinking of. The chat will help us out with this, I imagine. I don't think anyone's ever got hurt from just getting thrown out on purpose. Well, hurt or injured. There's a lot of guys that got hurt. Or, or you mean, you're I saying mean, It shouldn't feel good if you did something wrong. Well, okay. Uh, not, a lot of times it's just because of the rules. rules you're like the parent at the kids' game that screams that someone's going to get hurt when they don't like the refereeing. Like, my uh, kid's going to get hurt, screaming at them. You're that guy. I, I don't have any kids, but if I did, I would like to think that I'm a parent who just shuts up because. <laughs> That's good, dude. We're good. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I've been to the kids' games before, and of course, I was a kid that played games too. And uh, like the parents, some of the parents are just the worst. Uh, and like, I have a friend of mine right now who's coaching basketball, like a bunch of kids, and, like it's like eight year old girls. And like oh, every parent has an opinion of the game, you know, oh, just, the parents just got to shut up. Right. Uh, the, the parents are really, really bad. Again. I can't even like my brother plays, he, he's going to be a senior and I can't even sit with the parents. Cause like even my parents, oh man, it's brutal. They want every foul call they want. Oh, it, it, it's, it's impossible to listen next to my brother ref soccer when he was a young and uh, down in South Florida. They think their soccer very seriously down in South Florida. And he was repping like a seven or eight year old game or so. He got chased off the field. Like one of the parents wanted to like kill him. Like that's just, just bad. Like that's embarrassing. <laughs> and he just ran away. He's like, he was, <clears throat> I don't know if that game ever ended. I think it's still currently in suspension because he never came back. He's like, that's it. Uh, I'm done. This is not, he's doing like eight bucks a game or something like that. Yeah, like always. That's exactly what always happens. This is not for me. <laughs> and the parents, I mean, it goes all the way down too. Like you got like kindergarten kids out there and the parents are like that. It's just, it blows my mind. I don't get it. The funny the chat saying, I'm the guy that would never, you'd think I would never shut up. But I think I would like to think I would shut up. Uh, you know, who knows as far as, you know, giving my opinion as far as that. Um, T, this, this slate is, uh, let's, let's talk about what it's defined by. It's a nine-gamer. It's, it's packed with studs. It's Garrett Cole. It's the Grom. It's Scherzer. It's Snell. And it's the Red Sox. Like, is that the most, it's, that's the clear picture as far as the slate, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd say the pitching, I don't, man, I know the Reds, the Red Sox are going to be chalky for sure. I don't know. Like, the Red Sox is, as chalk just haven't done it for me all year, really. But I do like, I like a few of them. Of course I do. I mean, they're in a good spot. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's just the pitching. Like, there is so much pitching on the slate that I could sell myself on. So much good pitching, too. Even like the cheaper guys are good to me. Like our boy Martin Perez is on steroids or something. Cheese told me so. Like, <laughs> he's it up. So Perez is a, his a, his fastball is faster. His velocity is up, and he's got a brand new pitch mix, uh, pitch mix that's been working for him as well. Of course, he's not in the best ballpark. Of course, he's in the AL, but he's facing a Toronto team that's not particularly good. It's funny. I didn't really project the start here. Uh, I don't know. It was just that he was at the top of like the the time list for me. Uh, up towards the top is the only reason I saw him. But like. Yeah, that's just an example of how deep pitching is, though. Like, if he was on a different slate, like yesterday or the day before, where there were some bad pitchers, like, he'd be clearly the top guy. And tonight, you don't even really know he's on the slate. Well, we could say that about, like, six dudes, though. If, he would, if we could say, if this guy was on a different slate, if that guy was on a different slate, of course, you're going to roster two guys on fans. Super two guys on DK, one on FanDuel. And, you know, I think it's – okay, so Cole, DeGrom, Scherzer, Snell, how do you separate those guys? Yeah, I mean they're all uh, Snell's for sure the bottom for me. I, I don't, I don't know why uh, that that Arizona team is gritty, and I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel as good about Snell, I guess. 
the other guys are all in the same bucket. My my two favorites are for sure Colin DeGrom, and I kind of like Hamels just as much, just because on all these projection systems, like I, I trust the bat and Cardi, give it a little plug, but I trust him for pitching as much as anything, and he's got Cole projected right in that range with them, basically for like a decent amount cheaper. You want to stack the Coles tonight, Garrett and, uh, and Hamels? I definitely, definitely like both. So I hate Cole Hamels is the weird thing, but with this projection being this high, it's tough for me not to like him in Miami. Yeah. Uh, so the, well, it's at home versus the, Miami. I mean, no, I like, uh, the weather is also super conducive to pitching. I was taking a peek. Uh, you're talking about Cardi's uh, uh, what Cardi is going on there at the bat. I was taking a peek at the weather edge from Raw. Uh, and let me see if I can, well, let me go uh, pull it up in a second or so. Wrigley's like the best field too. Like when it, when you get the good hitting environment, you play the hitters. When you get the good pitching environment, you play the pitchers. And I feel like more times than not, it works out really good in your favor. Last night I saw that, uh, it had like a massive jump, uh, in the weather edge for raw, but that Chicago game was a night game. And I was like, I saw the line was 10 and I'm like, yeah, Quintana's an okay pitcher. Wayne writes it. You know, these guys are confident and the line is 10. You know, and I was, I was good. I was like waiting for it to go to nine and a half to bet the over, and it never went to nine and a half. And they put up like 16 or 17 runs or something. Whenever it looks too big, just jump on that over. Yeah. So as of right now, these numbers are fluid. Obviously, it's always changing, it's always being updated. But based upon 65 previous games and this weather in Chicago, home runs of Big T are down negative 47.2%. So the Marlins are going to go from zero home runs projected to zero home runs projected. Uh, I mean, they got some dude named John Bertle in there, Birdie, or whatever that dude's name is. He's terrible. The, 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 the name you wanted to see pop. Now, unfortunately, Martin Prados there, who's kind of like La Tortuga, like he doesn't strike out, which is, you know, he's not a, a bat that's imposing. He's like he's like a La Tortuga that, like, can't hit, but he's going to ground out and he's going to pop out. Uh, but the one name you want to see in there as far as that Marlins lineup is O'Brien. O'Brien is an absolute disaster. Uh, this, this guy struck out uh, – 33.3% in his career uh, against lefties, against righties, it's even more. I was taking a look at his, uh, you know, his career. He's, like, struck out, like, 69 times out of, like, 170 or so. And, like, naturally, at your first inclination, 69, nice. 69, not nice. 69 strikeouts, like, 170 bats. That is not good. Uh, so, he's, it's great to see him in there. Birdies and other guys who checks the strikeout a good bit. Galloway can strike out, too. Collectively, at 20.1% as far as versus lefties. I think last year's numbers and this year's numbers. But, again, at the top is Prado and it's Rojas and it's not even so much the collective number it's also those guys are going to see more at bats like Hamels is more likely to see those guys three times as opposed to seeing O'Brien three times so I don't know how many K's are there uh but run prevention from a run prevention perspective for Hamels he feels like such a lock against this awful awful Marlins team I mean his K projections pretty high too on on all the like the betting books. I mean they got him basically between seven and eight K. So like that's big for Hamels and uh, I don't know Hamels is going to be a tough fade for me tonight. Like he's just like you said, even say he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. Give him five Ks. Like he's just not going to give up much against this lineup. I don't think. So if you tell me I'm getting seven Ks out of Hamels, I love it. I just love it. Um, I mean, right now the the six and a half on, on this book is the over is minus one forty at six and a half. So like, I think you gotta start him at like seven for a projection. Let me go ahead and pull up the lineup HQ. You know, we do the premium peak at some time later in the show. Maybe we'll show that a little bit of the umpire stuff, a little bit of the K prop stuff. 
uh, as of, according to Roto-Grinders, let's see what we have here in the, uh, I'm trying to pull up uh, the Cole Hamels projection. Is he not in here? Oh, six and a half. Yeah, it's six and a half T. You know, the juice appears to be on the over axis. Because minus 139? Yeah, yeah, basically what I'm seeing too, like minus 140. I think we have some of the umpires. Of course, we don't have them all because a lot of these series are just starting to That's play. my favorite part of lineup HQ, by the way, if you're showing that. Like, yeah, I mean, you go in there. I love looking at pitchers on there because you get all the info in one spot. Projection, K-props, umpire data, everything in one spot. So we got Cole, DeGrom, and Scherzer all projected for eight and a half Ks, the various degrees of juice. Uh, minus 130 for Cole, minus 112 for DeGrom, minus 120 for Scherzer. Uh, for me, you know, cash games, tournaments, I think Scherzer's like the ultimate, like he's the tournament guy, right? Yeah, I mean, for sure, because just for me, I do, I, I look at pitchers way different than a lot of other people do. Like I'm super chalky at pitcher, I, which is weird for me because I'm such a contrarian GPP type guy, but I love just jamming the best pitchers in there and taking my chances with whoever for hitter. Give me whatever for hitters. I'll find hitters. I always say that. But I want the pitchers locked in to give me a chance. Because if you miss pitcher, it doesn't matter really what you do other places. So I don't know with Max. Like, I just don't think I can play him tonight. I, I, this Milwaukee team, I feel like, always is just good. <laughs> like, I don't want to play Yelich at the top. I don't, Gamble's a tough out at the top. I mean, they can go with what, six lefties. I just, I know he's a good tournament play, but this is a good example on a pitching slate like this. I just don't think I can play Max. I know it's probably a good tournament play. I just can't do it. So let's let's take last year and this year as far as the splits for Max and as far as the lefties and righties for Milwaukee. Uh, the lineup is out. We got Gamble, Yelich, Grandal, Moose, Shaw. So we're starting off with five lefties. And then Eric Thames is batting seventh as well. So you got uh, six of the eight actual hitters are left-handed. And we know the splits as far as Max is much better as far as the K perspective against righties. Uh, 37.9% versus righties, which is awesome, and 30.7% against lefties, which is still really good, but not as awesome. Uh, he's been unlucky this year for what it's worth, you know, 32.8% K percentage in a small sample size this season, 10% uh, homer in the fly ball rate, which is, you know, actually that's kind of sort of lucky to some extent, but Babbitt has got him at a 377 batting average on balls and play, which is it's kind of speaks to his four ERA and a 276 Sierra. And, if you're watching the last game, it was a Robles. Somebody screwed him out there in right field, gave up three runs in the first inning. That had nothing, and it was not his fault. I guess maybe the other guy, get, the guy's getting on to some extent, but it was just kind of goofy, and he still salvaged it. Uh, he still was a beast. Like, the, the rest of the game struck out like seven or eight, kind of bounced back. And, again, the box score looks a little bit, I wouldn't say bad, but not elite, but it actually was a pretty elite start. Um, and we'll talk about Yelich and those guys in a second. I think Yelich is, like, the best tournament play in the slate from a hitting perspective. Yelich is just the man like he's any slate you can get him even remotely low owned is a great slate for me especially against a right-hander I don't care if it's Max Max gives up home runs I mean I know he's great I'm not saying he's not he is great he's probably my favorite pitcher if I had to pick one guy to go to battle for me but Yelich is good man <laughs> I mean he's 10 for 26 against him with three bombs oh not everyone believes in BVP but if he's already one of the best hitters and he's got good BVP and he's going to be low-owned, seems like a pretty good play to me. I don't not believe in BVP. I just don't value it as much as other people do, I suppose. I think it's a thing. I don't know how much of a thing it is. Uh, and I also I also like to look at, like, you know, the stat cast stuff as far as how hard they're hitting it. Uh, I like to look at who's controlling the at-bat from a strikeout-walk perspective as well. It's all about the soup, right? You got to throw as many ingredients in there that help you as you can. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, uh, you know, th th that's sort of my perspective as well, too. I don't overvalue, but it, I guess, and it also kind of confirms we do know that Max is uh, really yeah. vulnerable. If he's vulnerable to one thing, like, you know, Giannis can't shoot threes. Still, he's still elite. Ma Max struggles with lefty power sometimes. He's still yeah. elite. Like there's a world where he pitches a gym tonight and still gives up two bombs, both to Yelich. Like, there's a world that happens. It's not nuts to play, like, Travis Shaw and Max in the same lineup, I don't think. Because Shaw I actually is like it. Just because, like, say you love a stack. Say you love Boston. You want to be different. Plug two Milwaukee guys in there like that. If they're the ones that hit a bomb for you, like, you got a chance to win a lot of money that night. What are we doing with uh, Garrett Cole, who, like, this year, 37.6% K percent? which is awesome. Uh, he's got a, a, an ERA just under four, but like he's been super unlucky as well. If you, if you again, look at the Sierra at the 2.88, he's facing a Kansas City team that there is some strikeouts there collectively with that 24.1%. Uh, you got Solaire, plenty of Ks, uh, Gutierrez, Maldonado, you know, Beham. Of course, if these guys get on base, KC's a pretty fast team. And I'm fairly certain Garrett Cole, again, his, you know, his inability to hit recess correlation, his tricky part is, He's not good at holding on runners, correct? Did you confirm that as I kind of check in? I'm pretty sure that's a thing. That's one thing I'm not overly piped in with is the <laughs> who's good with holding people on. But, I mean, there's not that many people that steal these days anyway, so I don't pay attention to it as They're much. They're all in Kansas City. <laughs> yeah, Kansas City's one of those teams that definitely worries you. I don't know. Like, Cole, I mean, he's minus 280 right now. Good K prop against a team that I don't really fear all that much outside of speed. Yeah, so I, mean, I, I just pulled right this there. up, Big T, as, as you're talking, as far as the premium reports on the uh, plate IQ, uh, the stolen base threat rating, number one on the slate, Billy Hamilton, number two, Adalberto Mondesi, number five, uh, Will Mer Whit Merrifield. So, uh, and it's funny because we have all these studs. The Grom is another guy you can get stolen on. <clears throat> Margot's in there. Meyer's on there. Of course, you know, the tricky part is you can't steal first base, right? If you could, Billy Hamilton would be uh, an all-star. And I believe Snell is the guy you can run on, too. It's funny, all these guys out there, uh, elite pitchers, they are vulnerable to stolen bases, Cole, DeGrom, and Snell. Again, the tricky part is getting on, but um, and you're not necessarily – I guess you can – as, like, my cheap one-off, uh, that, that's a route to get points, I suppose, but I'm not necessarily using this to attack. Uh, what are we doing with, with Snell? Of course, as it's going back to the DL, uh, he was dealing with a, a toe. Uh, he has not been good. Uh, but if you look at the data, like the velocity is perfectly fine. And he's just been kind of unlucky. I think the Babbitt was around like 400 uh, for both of those starts. And he wasn't getting hit hard as far as the hard hit rate. So it just seems like goofiness. But that said, it, almost, it also kind of seems unnecessary because he's like the same price as Cole. And this, you know, we talk about Hamill's a little bit cheaper. I'm not going to discourage anybody from rostering Stell, but I think he's like the first stud out for me. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I can't play Snell. I mean, Arizona, people don't love them, but they got nine righties in the lineup tonight. They got my boy Wilmer, who's always a beast against lefties. Ahmed's a beast against lefties. They got I, they got a tough lineup for lefties, and especially a guy that hasn't quite looked right. I mean, he's, he's been a little iffy for most of these starts. So, again, like if this was a different slate, I mean, because there's cheap guys we're going to get to, too, that I think are really good plays tonight. So, I don't think it's really a two-stud night for me. I mean, maybe if you like a cheap stack, you can for sure. But uh, Snell, I just – like I can't play him over Hamels and I can't play him – I probably can't even play him over Scherzer. So, I agree that he's probably – I mean, if I had to rank the top guys, he'd be the, the bottom of that top tier. 
Uh, he's got this guy named LaCastro starting off against him. Like I was checking out before the show. I wasn't aware of this guy's existence. And I'm like, why is this guy leading off? Got to be good or decent. Well, he's just fast. He strikes out a ton, um, and he's, he's fast. If he gets on base, he's going to steal. Uh, but he, again, this guy's not particularly good. He wasn't good in the minors, but he showed a lot of speed in the minors. But he also showed the ability, showed the ability to strike out a lot of minors. And you mentioned all the righties there. Like Snell is still really good against righties. His split is not that dramatic. Of course, better versus lefties. And the K, the K rate is still pretty good, 31.4% as opposed to 33.8% uh, against righties. Um, Father, you mentioned your boy Wilmer. Didn't you win your tournament this weekend with like all your favorite lefty, lefty mashers? Just how I play baseball. Like, it's never going to change. It's one for years doing it. Like, it's just what I believe in. Like, you stack and you play guys with decent splits or guys that are too cheap. And that's just my fillers. Like, yeah, it was my Reds and then all the lefty masters, Wilmer and Gary and Nelson Cruz and Arenado. That's a good segue, by the way, to have a conversation about Steve Pierce tonight because I know he's your boy, but also he's not hot. He's the opposite of hot. I never worry about that, though, with, like – so he's, he's on the chalk stack of the night. He's in the seven hole, which people hate. Like, people, I don't know why, because it's baseball. I'm sure you lose one at bat, but all it takes is one at bat to, to pay off the night. So I'm good with him in the seven. I'm good with him. In, I, he's multi-position eligible on some sites, which is nice. I, I don't care at all that he's been cold just because I think he's a really good play. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't care about that so much. Again, I want to know the guys hit the ball hard. Uh, that's kind of more so as far as the actual results, but – my, my, my concern with Pierce is that he might get the hook. He, like, he might only get two at-bats when Means seven. Means leaves, leaves the game, and it's a tight game. Uh, Mitch Moreland's not playing today. Ben and Kenny's not playing today. Uh, there are some dudes in that bench that can definitely relieve him, so that's my one hiccup. And, uh, he's also going to be fairly popular, I believe. So uh, for cash game, Even in the seven, you think he's going to be popular? He's so cheap, yeah. Like, uh, well, like on Fandle, he's like 2-2. Two, two. On, on DK, he's 3-7. On Fantasy Draft, he's like 7-5. I think he's going to be fairly popular. Um, Eduardo Nunez has been heating up a little bit too down there with him. So I don't, I'm always a bottom of the lineup guy too. And I don't mind playing those two together to kind of get off some of the chalkier Boston guys. And also like Steve Pierce versus lefties is not like a secret, right? Like I think most people are going to be it's like, that, it wasn't like it was a few years ago where like no one would play him. And even in the playoffs, we just talked about how good playoffs NBA was, but last year in the playoffs, no one was playing him because he was expensive. And I just would keep printing. And then that last World Series, when he hit all those bombs, people still didn't have him. So you said there's some other guys. And there's a guy I want to say. I don't want to say it, but he's pitching in a terrible ballpark. He's been, like, one of the worst pitchers on the slate going the season, if not the worst, uh, you know, as far as who's pitching tonight. Shasin uh, historically, has been much better against righties as opposed to lefties. The, the Nationals team, they're like the Yankees National League right now. They're, I mean, of course, we know Harper's not there anymore. Uh, Soto is hurt. Zerman is hurt. Uh, uh, Big City Matt Adams is hurt. Rendon is hurt. Do you see this lineup for Washington today? It's it's a you know it's not good. Uh, but Chasin has been bad, but it's also loaded with a bunch of righties, and it's a good ballpark for hitting. These are like the spots I try to stay away from. Like he's going to be popular because of how bad this lineup is. I know right now it says he's nineteen percent or something on DK, but like. He's going to be higher just because how bad the lineup is and how cheap he is. I would rather just play a different – I mean, Martin Perez I'd rather play at 6'6". Six, six. So, uh, I mean, he's fine. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, you can play him for sure against this awful team, but this is kind of the spot I try to stay away from in baseball. I'd rather play two studs. I'd rather play a lower-owned cheap guy. He's just been bad. And, like, I know the hitters look bad in the lineup, but I don't worry about that as much as other people. I feel like – 
sometimes we fall into that trap with these just awful lineups and then they go and they just they're happy to be in the lineup and they're playing harder than some of the good guys and I don't know like he's a fine play but I just don't think he's for me and then we just like we're a half hour into the show we haven't talked about Jacob DeGrom who's facing you know nice ballpark out there in San Diego he's facing a pile of righties we might see one lefty in Osborne you know DeGrom splits uh you know last two years 35.8 percent K percentage against righties a point zero two ISO uh, a WOBA of 218 uh you know he's also great too and like I'm trying to get my cash games with a combination of both Coles and DeGrom. I'd love to get Garrett Cole and DeGrom. I don't know if I can get there because I feel like I'm sacrificing. Well, I know, but I'd probably sacrifice one of those Red Sox. And I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, what's your thought as far as Jake? Yeah, that's the funny thing that we haven't talked about him because he's my he's my favorite of the top, what, the, the four guys that are basically the highest guys, not not including Cole Hamels, but the, the, he's probably my favorite of the night, even including Hamels. My, my two guys at the top would be Hamels and DeGrom. And I like DeGrom a lot more than I, I like Cole and Scherzer. Like, if I was playing one team, my main team tonight, I will almost for sure have DeGrom on it, whether it's DeGrom and Hamels or DeGrom and a cheap guy. I just like picking on this San Diego. I know San Diego has a little more power than they've had in the past, but I still like picking on them with the power righty like they like they got tonight. Yeah, um, and I, I think speaking of Sandy, I think Paddock's a great arm. He's still kind of getting babied, and if you look at his uh, you know his box scores, he's been pitching fairly deep. That's the thing he's been he's been, he's been super efficient. <clears throat> Last time out, he went six innings, eighty nine pitches. Seven innings before that, eighty three pitches. Uh, eighty eight and eighty eight before that, he's yet to crack the nineties as far as his pitches, and his price is just too close to uh, the other guys where, I, I mean, look, I'm not going to discourage it for tournaments. Again, great arm. Maybe you can be efficient again. I'm going to discourage then. Yeah, I haven't heard you discourage anybody. You keep saying I'm not going to discourage this guy. Next. You can't play them all. Well, I'm not going to play Mikolas. <laughs> oh, gonna... oh, you're not going to play Mikolas. Okay. <clears throat> you're stepping out on a limb there. Well, you're asking. I mean, you know, he's got a good nickname, Lizard King. That doesn't get you any uh, fantasy points, though. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, I, that's a good pitching environment. I guess that's the argument for him. Also, he's been pretty Which terrible. good guy aren't you playing? You're not playing all seven of these top guys. Yeah, so I, I said both Coles and, and DeGrom are probably my main cash game mix. I, I imagine it's be two of those three. Uh, Scherzer for tournaments for sure. I'm probably not going to get to Snell. Uh, Walker Bueller is a no for me. Uh, you know, good ballpark, but like it's just you're not getting a discount based upon uh, how, how well how poor he's been so far this year. Not necessary. Uh, Paddock, I'm probably not going to play. I don't play enough lineups, but I understand why you would play him. Uh, Velasquez, in theory, against these righties on St. Louis should be good, but he's too expensive. And also, he doesn't, he doesn't go deep. He's got like one of the, the shortest leashes of anybody, so that's a pass. So I'm giving you all these passes. Uh, Gaussman, by the way, don't be scared. If you guys wanted to play him, he was suspended, but he's appealing, so he is going to fix tonight. But he's also facing the Dodgers and all his lefties. He got suspended for that weak throw behind we, we were talking about at the beginning of the show. I mean, he got kicked out of the game. Was that essentially a suspension? And then he didn't even hit him. Yeah, you got to get your money's worth. Right? I didn't know he got suspended. That's classic. Just happened like an hour ago or so. It just cracked. Uh, but he is appealing, so we will be pitching. Uh, I love Strowman as a real-life pitcher. He's yet to give up a homer. All the ground balls are back. He's legit. But also, like, he cares more about his baseball team and your fantasy team because he doesn't care for strikeouts. Uh, and this Minnesota lineup is not one to be messed with. So, you know, I'm probably not going to go there. There's a bunch of guys I'm not going to play. Judas, I'm not going to play. I know he's been better. And the fly balls have been suppressed of late last last year in the back half, the second half. Cheese was talking about in his musings today. And, of course, this year as well. That has continued. Junis uh, no longer giving up as many fly balls as he used to. 
Uh, Kelly is kind of like Nicholas. You know, he also pitched over in Asia for what it's worth, but uh, not a lot of Ks there. Uh, nice ballpark, but again, that we're getting condensed prices. I'm sure you've noticed this with the pitchers, right, T, as far as, um, you know, the, the top pitchers, their pricing has been squeezed down, and like the bottom pitchers, their prices have been squeezed up, with the exception of Josh Smith today, who is facing Baltimore. He's going to be throwing baseballs, and he's super, super cheap. Uh, and if the word is out, I was reading this as well, and she's in Disney, he was talking about uh, Cora, the manager was saying to be 12 to 15 outs. So we're looking at a possibility of four to five innings. It gives you a different mix as far as sticks, obviously. Uh, of course, we, all these good pitchers we like, there's a big opportunity to cost a pitcher, but they can only get so many points. And if you open up a, you know, four or five big bats and they all go nuts, like if Josh Smith puts up like 12, you're good. Uh, what's your take here? This is, this is hard for me because I usually like putting in a guy like this with a stud, but I don't know if it's worth it tonight. Like these top guys, there's going to be a few of them get you well, well up there in points. And I don't know if there's enough offense on this slate. So you got Boston and you got a few other spots. I mean, you got Boston right now implied five, four, you got nobody Houston. else. So you got two teams above five. Both are going to be chalky. And then you got, I just really, I don't see the reason, I guess. Like everyone that plays Boston, this is a good way to lose at baseball, by the way. Like play a stud pitcher with Josh Smith and stack the good Red Sox. Like that's a good way to lose tournaments in baseball. That's really bad to do that. What if you get the perfect combination? Unless you just have three like total like off the wall plays to go with it. Like, don't don't make that combination and think you're going to win. But I don't know. I just think it's the wrong slate for him. I mean, I could certainly use him. Like, say, I don't know. I don't know which team it would be. I'd have to, like, fall in love with the team. Like, say the Cardinals or some team. If I wanted to stack the Cardinals or Philadelphia, some random team like that with their best five, then I could maybe use them. But I don't want to use them on a chalk stack like Houston or Boston. Put it that way. I think we agree. And that's why we spend so much time in pitchers. I think pitchers, pitchers dictate this slate. And, you know, of course, any offense can come out of nowhere and put up 15 runs. We don't necessarily see coming, but uh, we're going to go around the horn and talk about our favorite hitters in each position. And I feel like it's going to be like, I guess I'll play this. There's not a lot of guys that pop for me. Uh, there's not a lot of places I want to exploit. Again, we mentioned there's like, so many good pitchers. Like every game, there's not many bad pitchers on the slate. Put it that way. Correct. Uh, as far as the hitters, um, I guess it's about Boston, the spoiler alert. It's about Boston. Who's your favorite Red Sox? I mean, Pierce, I mean, we talked about it already. Obviously, I love the top guys. I mean, if I had to pick one guy besides Pierce that's, like, technically one of the better ones, I think this Chavis or what is that how you pronounce his name, Chavis? Yeah, Michael Chavis. He's just he's, – yeah. his price has uh, jumped up pretty quickly. He looks legit. The power looks like, – Yeah, I like that price bump, though, and you got Devers right below him. People might play Devers over him. I don't know. But like, no, lefty and lefty, they run away from that because they don't realize John Means will only see him twice. Yeah, I mean, which makes Devers a pretty good play then, too, just to point that out. Like, if everyone's going to play Chavis righty-lefty, then Devers becomes a pretty good play if no one's going to play him. But like always, I mean, the chalk stack like this, I like them all. I mean, I could even Jackie Bradley lefty-lefty. At the bottom of the lineup, you might only see him once and then yeah. get some of that bullpen. And he finally hit a bomb, didn't he? He's been ice all year, but I think he finally hit one. I think he's hitting the ball hard, though, which is uh, good enough for me. I know the results haven't necessarily been there for JBJ, but the, 
The price is down, and he's yet to hit a homer for what it's worth. He's still. Oh, he didn't hit one yesterday. It must have been like a double or something. I don't know. One for three or two runs. It might have, yeah, it might have been a nope, wasn't a double. It I was, swear he hit a bomb the other day because I almost played him, but maybe it was it was just an RBI something or other. And I also he's on the road, so I think he's. I mean, I don't want to say he's guaranteed, but he feels guaranteed to get those four at bats. So like, I, I don't really care where he's hitting the order. If he's getting four at bats, I'm good. Um, and if things are going incredibly well, I guess he can get five, but that's probably not going to happen. That's going to be reserved for the guys at the top of the order. It is going to be hard for Boston to not score some runs with this line. This lineup's murder tonight. Like, it's all these righties against the lefty. I know that the bullpen's terrible, too, so it doesn't really – it's going to be tough for them not to score some runs. And, again, they're locked in for nine innings, too. So that, that ninth inning is going to be against somebody that's not good. Like, yeah. So. By the way, they, I should say this, too. I don't. We don't need to talk about that win Friday night. But So I'm sitting in first really late, and there's only one guy that can really beat me, and he's got four Red Sox. And the White Sox bring in Mancata to pitch, and he's throwing in 50-mile-an-hour meatballs, and all four of this dude's hitters get to come up. He gets his whole stack. I have to fade one home run against four dudes that are facing a 50-mile-an-hour heater. That was, that was a crazy sweat for that. It's a rough – yeah, that's the worst way to lose when, like, yeah. You're, oh, you're I would have been so sick if I lost because of that. Like, and it was a four, four or five-run game. What were they doing? It, I believe it was six to one in the ninth inning. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, that, like, the next day they were down like 15 to three, like in the fifth. And I got to know if they brought in like, uh, so another. <laughs> no. Did you watch it? Seriously. This guy, not only was he throwing meatballs, but he was literally throwing it as soft as he could throw it. Like he was throwing it. He was lobbing it in there. Yes. It was about, it was about 50 or so. <laughs> it was, was like slow pitch softball. The Ethos ball uh, is what they did <laughs> a few years ago. Uh, all right. We are behind. Let's knock out the hitters. And again, I, I Let's talk about catcher, of course, on fans draft. You don't need a roster catcher. Uh, FanDuel, you don't. DK forces you on one. Uh, for me, it's probably just, like, get in and out as cheap as possible. Or if I'm making a tournament lineup, uh, try to grab, you know, a guy like Randall, who we know Scherzer, you know, is vulnerable to lefties. It's a great, great ballpark for lefty power. But uh, catcher is, once again, spoiler alert, gross. For me, the catcher pretty much is going to be the same strategy every day. It's either a cheap guy on my stack or a guy like Gary Sanchez that can win the slate. And yeah. since Gary's not on the slate, it's just going to be a cheap guy for whatever team I like. I mean, you can name off any of these dudes, but it really – I mean, none of them stick out. I mean, maybe a random guy that I would say that I, I do like doing this at catcher too, like throwing a random one-off like J.R. Murphy against Snell. Like, no one's going to play him. And I know he's not in a good spot, but – if I get this dude 1% owned and he hits a bomb, like, that's all you need, and these catchers are bad. So I don't mind just taking a weird random shot on a plus-one catcher. They are for sure separators, and, like, there's just no way of figuring out who's going to separate yeah. themselves, you know, with all the variants in baseball and all these don't guys. do you think it's a good spot to just never play a chalk guy? I mean, unless it's, like, Gary in a good spot or something. But, like, why would you play – I don't know the example tonight because no one's going to be that chalky, but – anybody like real muto or somebody why would you play him as chalk like I, I might play maldonado against cole just to get in and out yeah. i might yeah, do I that play him every day and you get the savings like 2400 on dk for him I, sure yeah like i love that play uh first base kind of sort of like first base kind of sucks these days doesn't it it's kind of every weird. day it sucks like it's yeah. we do have pierce of course at first base is also outfield eligible in dk and you got carpenter who's now first and third base eligible uh, and Carpenter's is way too cheap leading off there against Velasquez. Goldie's pretty cheap, too, for what it's worth. Uh, you know, Rizzo, I like Rizzo against against Alcantara, but, again, I hate that whether they're getting 
uh, you know, not a good discount on that. He's, he's super expensive. I think he's going to do tournament pivot. But for me, uh, I think it's a combination of Pierce and Carpenter, maybe Goldie. Those are the guys I'm looking at. How about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be almost all Pierce, unless I put him in. Pierce is for sure going to be on every team I make tonight on every site. Like, it's just he's too good of a play tonight. And I love the seven hole. But, I mean, he's probably going to be first base. But I know it sounds crazy, but if you want to play two studs, I don't mind playing Chris Davis in that game. Good park. I, I mean, I, I know it's funny, to, but if I want to play, say I want to play DeGrom and Garrett Cole together, it's like the type of team I like to build, and we've talked about before, me and you. Like, you have to play random dudes. Like, oh, say Chris Davis hits a bomb and Maldonado hits a bomb tonight <laughs> for these two sheep, which isn't completely crazy. It's That's baseball. a pretty ambitious, ambitious example box. But yeah, I don't know if it is. But like, baseball, we always get random stuff from baseball. Mm-hmm. That's the point, random. Maybe not Chris Davis and Maldonado. Like, that's a little extreme. You're right. But the point is, he's 3,100 on DK. I'm sure he's like 6K on Fantasy Draft. I'm sure he's 2K on FanDuel. And, the, like, if he hits a bomb, which he can, it's a good park. It's a it's a pitcher that we don't, I mean, think is that great. And then a bullpen that's not great behind him. Uh, I mean, I'm going to play Pierce, but I don't hate Chris Davis for savings. And then you play Pierce in the outfield, and you got – Two cheap guys in a good park. Keystone position second base for me. Uh, Altuve seems pretty cheap, just kind of too cheap. I don't know if I can get there. Well, it's either uh, I'm gonna go all the way up at uh, Altuve, or I'm gonna go all the way down to a guy like Stevie Wilkerson. That's basically where I'm at. I think it's kind of a, a decision point for me. There's some guys in the middle that are obviously worth playing too. If I kind of land on them, but what do you do with second? This guy said Pierce is hitting 118. Oh, no, he's hitting 118. I'm pretty nervous, DFS. <laughs> I'm pretty nervous about that 118 average. Check back after tonight. Yeah, like, all it takes is one night and you win a tournament, and he could be hitting 125 after tonight, but you got 125K in your pocket after he hits you a bomb or something. Like, uh, Yeah, second base, uh, it's kind of an ugly position. I don't see you starting to talk me into this Boston cheap guys with the two aces because – Wilkerson's right next to Chris Davis, and he's just dirt cheap. He's hit a bomb at least once in the in the cheap range already. I kind of like Brandon Lowe up top. Uh, I don't. Tampa Bay always seems to score runs, and you got a good umpire in that game. You, you got a bad pitcher the other way. I think I don't like Kelly all that much. I don't hate him up top just because I think everyone will play. Not that I don't. I like Altuve just fine, and Altuve is too cheap, by the way. So yeah. I, He's gonna like, have, like if you could only have Altuve or like JD and, and Betts, like how do you rank those three? Altuve's third. Yeah, I I rank Boston over everyone else on this slate. I mean, if it's a if it's a besides not not talking ownership, of course, like they're gonna be owned. So it's just flat points, like flat better plays. I think Boston is gonna Boston wins every one via one for me. Uh, you mentioned Seamus already at the hot corner. He's definitely somebody to look at. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. still looking for his first home I believe against Martin Perez who. We said he's been better this year for what it's worth. Uh, the lefty power on Milwaukee is super interesting against Scherzer. I think maybe rostered two or three of them. Like, there's a very good chance Scherzer gives up a homer to one of these lefties. Which one? I don't know. But they all have power. Yeah. Moose, Shaw, you know, Yelich. One of them's going to hit one for sure. It's probably going to be Gamble, just for no particular reason. It could be. <laughs> what are you having at third? Yeah, so – I mean, Carpenter's too cheap on a two-ace team. I mean, for sure, Chavis at the top is my favorite guy, like, for sure. If I'm playing one dude, one team, and I want the upside, it's him. I mean, I know you can't play all Boston, but like I said, 
I'm not as afraid to play some chalk in baseball just because I can always find me a random guy to get me off the just just the crazy lineup. And I, I probably wouldn't play five Boston either, just to be a little different. But Chavis is a better strategy. Just play have one less. It's hard to. It depends on the other three guys and your pitchers. But I think four. If you're, if you're pretty chalky, I think four is better, just because it gets you a little different combo. But I play enough random dudes that it, it doesn't always matter for me. Chavis is probably my second favorite, though, just because he's been so hot. And, I mean, he just missed a bomb again yesterday, I think, where he, he's just been so good. And he, I think he's a really good play. But there's a, there's a bunch of cheaper guys, too, that I don't hate. Like Drury, I know Perez, like you just said, Perez has been – he's been better. But I don't mind Drury as a, as a cheaper punt. And just looking in the cheaper range, I mean, there's there's a few there's a few guys down there that you could play. I mean, Carpenter's obviously going to be a really good play tonight at that price. But yeah, I mean, Chavis, just give me Chavis. Yeah, Big T, I was laughing, and somebody in the chat caught your uh, for your bigness cut and splice a certain line you dropped. That was good times for sure. What did uh, I do? <laughs> read the chat, you'll see it. <laughs> uh, if we jump the shortstop team, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's we, true. I mean, that's true. Good point. Good for you, man. There are sites for those things. Um, Someone else said, "Is that my finger?" Yep, that's my finger. <laughs> Speaking of sites, uh, YouTube. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. Jump on over here to rotogrounders.com. We're going to show our premium peak in just a second. We're going to knock out as many questions as possible before we step aside and get out of here and make way for it's Cardi and Cheese with Broth uh, on, on crunch time at six fifteen uh, the East Coast. They take you guys all up the lock. We've kind of sort of neglected the Dodgers to some degree. Like Gaussman, one of the you know, perfectly fine pitcher, but like there's so many other pitchers that are just better than I'm on the slate. Uh, like I thought Monty was kind of interesting. I think Turner's kind of interesting, but at shortstop, Seager seems a little bit too cheap. Uh, you know, of course, if you have the money, uh, Xander Bogarts, Correa is certainly in, the, in play as well. Uh, DeYoung, I don't mind. Where, where are you looking as far as shortstop? Yeah, shortstop, obviously, Xander, I think, is the best play at the top, but he's going to be chalky, so Correa, you could play on another chalk team. An interesting play for me, though, like, just because the price, it just looks ridiculous in this game that we don't think there's going to be offense, but Javi Baez is like a play that I like, just because I don't like the whole team. This is a perfect example of a play I think can win you a tournament. No one is going to pay 5900 for Javi Baez outside of – if you're stacking the Cubs, you might. But any other random – like, say you got the Red Sox, no one is going to stack the Red Sox and Javi Baez. Like, they're just not going to. So, if you play a Red Sox stack and you come back with Baez as your shortstop, then you could play a guy like Josh Smith. You could play a cheaper guy. And if Javi Baez goes for two bombs and maybe a stolen base, massive game, and Xander busts, you're ahead of every Boston stack just by playing one different dude like that. So the outfield bets, JD Martinez, you can only take one. Who do you prefer? I always choose JD against a lefty and probably Mookie against a righty. But like you said, the bullpen's coming in. They're, they're basically the same play to me. I mean, I could say I like one way more than the other, but it's truly got to be like a coin flip really. Yeah, I've said before, I think Yelich is a really strong tournament play. Because you're not getting any discount against Scherzer. He's 5'5 five, five, uh, on DK. I think he's one of the most expensive bidders on fantasy draft as well. That's um, like a team that could win it, though. Stack five Red Sox, play Javi Baez and Yelich with your Red Sox, <laughs> and maybe two, like, whatever pitchers fit. And, like, that's a team that could win you a tournament. You're playing Josh Smith in that lineup, I think. Yeah, that's fine, though, because yeah. you got a different bill. Like, yeah, play him in there. 
Well, that's the thing is like pitchers can only get so much as far as their ceiling. But yeah, if you can, if that opens up access to like four or five homers that you wouldn't get otherwise. That more than Boston makes goes off and you get bombs from your two plus ones, you're going to be right there. I promise you. So give me some, give me some pivots off Boston in the outfield. So, I mean, just working your way down the list, like we said, Yelich. I mean, you got a random like Jock Peterson against a guy like Gaussman. You got the Houston guys. I was Springer just like, he's been so good this year. I, he's going to be chalky too, though, because everyone that plays Houston. He's not. He's expensive. He's too expensive. I, he is, so he's not going to be, if he's not going to be owned, then I, I love him too. Like, I don't less than like 15% owned. Yeah. And he's just, it feels like he hits a bomb every time in this spot. So. I like him. I mean, I'm trying to find like some guys that aren't obvious. Like I, I don't completely hate a guy like Ben Zobrist in the one hole just because he's so cheap again on your two ace team. I don't know. Outfield's always the hardest position for me to talk about because it literally depends on your roster construction. Like if you're playing Boston, you should always, I think, want at least a couple of those Boston guys. Just depends on your team. If you're playing a team with no outfielders and it's a low owned team, then I'd play some chalk guys. I mean, it, it, outfield's always the hardest for me to get through. I saw Bryce Harper with 16 bucks on Yahoo. Just kind of a side note. That seemed way too cheap. There. Harper sucks, man. <laughs> he's a guy I will never play. Like, he's 4500 <clears throat> on DK, and people just keep jamming him because he's Bryce Harper at 4 or 5, and he just doesn't do anything. He's one of those guys that you probably cover his numbers. And you, just, you, know, you cover his name yeah. and his numbers. It's like you're kind of surprised. Like, other guys are. Exactly. That's but a great point. That's still too cheap, though. Like, why though? Was Stanton too cheap when he struck out a hundred times in a row that a couple years ago? I just can't wait for Stanton to be playing like his seventeenth year at his contract, where he's getting paid like forty million dollars to Yankees. He's up there just waving. You think Chris Davis is bad now? Wait till wait. He's gonna be like 38, 39 years old, making like 35, 40 million. He's that contract is backloaded. Just wait. <laughs> Stick around for that one. Like two thousand twenty-seven. You're right. It's gonna happen for sure. It's gonna be so bad. Uh, let's do a quick premium peek. Then we're going to do our stacks. We're going to do our dogs. We'll, uh, knock out as many questions as, as possible. We can not, uh, you know, kind of fill in during, uh, the next nine minutes or so. You do want to see the, uh, the lineup HQ you were talking about. And let's see if what kind of umpire data is going to filter through. What do we have so far? Sam Holbrook, extreme hitters umpire for Blake Snell for what it's worth. Kelly as well on the other side. Extreme pitchers umpire for Stroman and Perez. Uh, what is your favorite thing you said it's on here? Of course, there's the premium plate IQ score, which DeGrom is the top guy as far as pitchers. DeGrom, Scherzer, Cole, Snell, Paddock. There's ownership projection in here as well. Of course, that's always fluid. Don't hold Jamino and his team to that because that's always being adjusted as lock is creeping up. You were talking about the, the totals. You were talking about the K-Prop. What was your favorite thing? So just, just for me, just so I can tell them what I do, like I just literally go in every, every day when I'm starting my research, I'll go up and – where the, where the projections are, I change it to the bat projections from Cardi, and then I sort by point per dollar just so I can kind of get an idea of the better values. And then right away, I'll just look at ownership. I'll look at the K. The K-Prop's not usually up early in the day, but right now it's up. And then the umpire data, data comes in too. So, I mean, really that's it for me. I'll sort by point per dollar according to Cardi's projections, and then K-Props and umpires are really the – and ownership, of course – are the, the main things I look at. Where's point per dollar? I'm scrolling and I can't see. It's right point. next to the, it's right to the right of the projection, like three over. Okay. And uh, I can't seem to, oh, now I'm jumping on the wrong page. You know, I'm trying to, I'm, <laughs> I'm still not perfect with as far as my, my Mac. I, it's, I've had Macs for like five or six years. I still can't figure out 
how to work the finger just yet. But uh, and you're talking about the projections. Of course, there's the Roto Brothers projections. But like you said, you can filter in. Uh, you can uh, you know, import the bat projections. And this, of course, is uh, how you can build lineups too, really quickly up to what. Like I've had the bat for years, and I've never even opened it on any place. But well, I guess maybe in the beginning I did. But the last two years. I've only opened it on lineup HQ. Like I've never even opened it in the bat, bat part because it's so nice on this spot. You just pull it up and you got everything right there. Uh, start loading up some questions there in the chat. You guys, sorry, we gave kind of an abbreviated look as far as lineup HQ. And for what it's worth, some of this is free and some of it's not. I don't know which is which because I get it all. But I know like if you pull it up and you're not actually paying, you know, if you're just going to go to the page and see some of it, uh, I think the ownership projection is a uh, part of premium. But again, uh, you can get a feel of, as far as what's going on out there. Uh, start loading up the questions there and check about five, six minutes or so before we can knock out as many as possible before we step aside. Make way for crunch time. T, uh, who are your favorite stacks tonight? Like we said, Boston is definitely my favorite. I know they're the most chalky, but again, I think if you play the bottom like Pearson, Nunez, maybe two or three of the guys at the top, that's kind of my story. Even Vasquez at the bottom, like – Maybe maybe you don't just go one through five, so you got a few of the bottom guys. I love that, and then kind of just filter in guys, kind of like we said. I mean, you got Yelich, you got Wilmer in a weird spot. You got maybe a cheap guy like like Arizona, for example. I could see myself playing two Arizona guys with my Boston guys. They're going to be completely unowned, and they, they got a good umpire for hitting. They got a guy that I don't trust that much, and Snell. That's a perfect example of a team I could see myself building, like Boston, four or five guys, two Arizona guys, Yelich, and whatever two pitchers that I like with it. All right, three dudes that are going to go yard. Uh, make one of these guys like somebody goofy, like somebody off one of like the top four or five pitchers. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, my two favorite chalk, chalk home runs are Pierce and Chavis. But, I mean, just to th I like my guy Wilmer again. Like, no one's going to play him, so he's got to be pretty random. I mean, he's against a lefty, bad park. But he's going to be 2 3% owned against a lefty. I only need one home run, so give me Wilmer. Um, by the way, okay, so let's knock out some questions here. They're, they're asking, like, how come you don't love Baltimore? Is this, like, is this your team? Has that been your pet team? I have no idea why that dude said that. Like, I don't like Baltimore. I mean, I like, like I said, I like Wilkerson and Chris Davis just because they're so cheap and they can both hit from the left side of the plate. Like, I, I don't really, I don't hate them. Like, I could, I could game stack that game for sure, but none of those guys get me excited. Really. I guess I could, I could play Rio too. So five, six, seven would be where I'd attack Baltimore from. Wrap that around, man. You don't like VR? I can play him, but do I really want to pay that price tag for him? No, but it's a tournament. So like prices don't yeah, matter. I mean, right? I, I can play VR anytime. <clears throat> yeah. I, I don't mind that. I don't mind Baltimore. All right. Let's knock out some questions here. Do a little scrolling here. I saw on Twitter, the Nats spent seven hours in the tarmac on plane trouble. Was Max, Already on his way to Milwaukee, or he's in the plane. I have no idea. That's a. I mean, look, Max those is guys probably already there. Like they always go ahead, don't they? A lot of times they send the next day's pitcher ahead of time. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. I don't know what their team policy. Stuff like that's never going to impact Max, anyways. The guy's a straight gamer. What is interesting, though, it's funny. Like, and this is also speaks to their lineup. Do you know that uh, as of right now, it looks like Milwaukee's a favorite. Oh, just uh, Shafin is a favorite over Scherzer. Isn't that wild? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the lineups, the lineups are quite the mismatch. <laughs> it's well, actually impressive that, to me, it's actually impressive that Max is basically a coin flip in this game because 
the lineups, if you flip, flip the lineups, like say Scherzer was pitching for Milwaukee against Chassin at oh, home, yeah. like, he'd be like minus 300. <laughs> so uh-huh. it, it's quite the mismatch. Herrera versus Grichik. I think we both preferred Grichik, correct? I mean, I don't even know who the first dude is. Who'd you, who's Herrera? <laughs> I don't even know who that is. Just cross him off the list, I suppose. We're not playing Herrera tonight. Seriously, like who is Herrera? Uh, Herrera plays for uh, – oh, it's Odubel. He's back tonight. Oh, yeah. I mean, Odubel? I don't know. Some, some call him Odubel. Some call him Odubel. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate that, I guess. Who was the other option? Uh, Gritchick. I know you touched on earlier in the show. Yeah, I mean, Gritchick probably. But I actually don't hate Odubel. I think he's a pretty good play too. Like, like you I said, like right? Odubel more just because Gritchick, people play him against lefties. And I know I like Martin Perez tonight. So they're asking like Fandle Cash bets or JD and like I don't we know. We talked about that. Both, like, it's fifty-one forty-nine. They're both they're both great plays. I do say you love one of them, but right away when the other guy hits the bomb, you're going to be like, man, I should have played that one. <laughs> like it's a true coin flip. They want us to take a stand. I, <laughs> I usually lean to Mookie just because he's got an out as far as maybe he can steal a base, and JD can't do that. Yeah, but, <laughs> but like I, the fly, it feels like JD's going to hit like three fly balls or two fly balls yeah. off means. In a one-game sample, too, like, it's literally a coin flip. Just play them both. Like, if you if you really want to play that direction, just play them both so you don't have to choose. But they're probably really rostering a, you know, a stud pitcher, which makes it kind of tricky. Like it's, it, you can yeah. do it, but it really hurts the rest of your lineup. Uh, you got a twofer here. DeGrom and Gritchick versus Cole. I assume that's Garrett Cole and Pierce. I mean, for sure, Cole and Pierce. Either Cole and Pierce for me, like, either one of them. Chris Paddock, cash versus GPP. I would not play him in cash. His price is too close to the other guys. And – uh, he's been super, super efficient. He's also been lucky that he's been hit the, the ball's been hit hard off him, but uh, he's been, you know, hasn't been hurt by that, especially the left side. For tournaments, you can play him. Your thoughts as far as Paddock? I mean, it's okay. Yeah. Uh, give me two pitchers to play with a Cubby stack. Two pitchers? To, don't, don't stack the Cubbies with this weather we talked about. Like, I don't want to stack the Cubbies, but. I mean, you're going to have to play a cheaper guy. Like, that's a good example. Like I said, I think I used this during the show. But if you want to play a Josh Smith team, I think the Cubs are a good team to do that with because Javi Baez is so expensive and Rizzo is so expensive that – and, like, Contreras, that's a perfect example. So, I actually answered this without answering it. You could play Rizzo, Baez, and Contreras, which no one is going to play those three, right. really. Play them with Josh Smith and play whoever you want with them. Play Boston guys, do whatever. But – that th- those threesome, I don't like it, but it, I will say that I don't like it, but that could win you a tournament playing those three. Yeah, my thought on that is like, you know, I, I understand the correlation of that, but my thought is just like get two guys from here and two guys from there and get Yelich and just, just get like the two or three big bats on three different teams, but I totally understand why you would yeah. do that as well. Uh, one more. Baez and Contreras, especially if you're only going to play two, because no one's going to pay 4,800 on DK for a catcher. Can you rank Springer, Yelich, and Harper? Let's do it for tournaments. I think Yelich is, is the best tournament yeah, play. In this I game. think in uh, Yelich is a yeah Yelich Springer, and then I'm not playing. I'm definitely not playing Harper in anything. So he's third. Team, we got to step aside and get out of here. And make way for crunch time. The aforementioned Cardi and Cheese, along with Roth. Any weather that's working out there, Roth will knock it out for you guys. Um, give me a hot take, maybe a basketball take, a baseball take. Give me something for the road. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a hot take, but basketball, I, I definitely like both teams to make it 2-2 tonight. I know that line move in the second game is going hard towards Golden State, but I think Houston wins again. I definitely think Boston wins. 
Give me both. They're, they're both favored, but the public's on both other sides, I think, a little bit. Give me Boston and Houston. I don't know if that's a hot take, though. He's Big T of the Print Factory. Also, hit him up on the Twitter machine. When are we going to get you back on there? Hey, dude, I'm available. You know, I'm just, uh, I, I don't want to bring that up this week. <laughs> He's Tony. I'm Dean. Enjoy your baseball tonight. We're out of here. Hello.